You are listening to audio from Haddington Elam Church. We hope you are encouraged by this today. For more information about our weekly services or messy church, you can find us at haddingtonelamchurch.com. Last week we looked at an animal. We looked at the donkey. Most people don't think much of a donkey. In fact, that's kind of the joke. You're the joke. People say you're the donkey. And then we also have this symbolism of a lamb. And I just love that God uses these animals, seemingly insignificant animals. There's nothing really majestic about a donkey. And if you've ever seen a lamb out in the field, which many of you have, they're everywhere here. They're not exactly a mighty beast. If you cl- climb over that gate, uh, the fence and gate, and you go into where all the sheep, you're not afraid of the lambs that may be in there. And we looked at the arrival of him coming into Jerusalem the week before Passover, riding that donkey signifying a king who comes and brings peace. Our Bibles call it the triumphal entry, and this truly was a triumphal entry, as his death has won the victory and brought us peace. In fact, in his word, he is the prince of peace. Friends, we need peace today. Even if that's all I preached today, we need peace. This world is in turmoil. People's souls are just tormented. Their minds are tormented. We need peace There were more than 300 prophecies about Messiah, and Jesus fulfilled them all. In Israel at that time, after more than 400 years of silence from God, between the Old and New Testaments, and we have such a privilege, it's one page in our Bible, open it up, that page is 400 plus years that we can just turn. They're waiting for Messiah to come, and their expectation was at an all-time high. See, the expectation was heightened at Passover because they believed that, it was, that the ultimate redemption brought by the Messiah would come at Passover. So at no other time of year, they might be hoping Messiah comes, but they had an extra special anticipation of Messiah coming at Passover. News about Jesus had spread throughout the city as he and his disciples came down the Mount of Olives on their approach to Jerusalem And the crowd realized what was happening. And it says that they took those palm leaves, and that's why we would celebrate this today. And they took their coats, and they laid them down, and they became royal ushers, just giving the pathway for the Messiah to come into the city. The religious leaders wanted him to quiet the crowd, but Jesus said that even the rocks would cry out if they were silenced. And Doreen pointed out to me last week, thank you for that, Doreen, that the rocks are still crying out. Because for everything that they keep uncovering or discovering in archaeology and other things, everything just keeps confirming again and again that everything the Bible says is true. People dismiss the Bible as not a historical book, but it's accurate in all of its history. And the rocks are still crying out. The city was more busy than usual as everyone had to go there to celebrate the festival of Passover. Leviticus 23 Verse 4 and 5 says this, and this is, I hope it, it will change your mind like it did mine. Because we always think, you know, well, we're not necessarily Jewish by birth or, or that we're raised in Judaism. And so we always think that they're Jewish celebrations. But this is what it says. These are the appointed times of the Lord, holy convocations which you shall proclaim at the times appointed for them. In the first month, on the 14th day of the month at twilight, is the Lord's Passover. Catch that. It's not something, it's a Jewish celebration. It's appointed times of God. This is the Lord's Passover. Then on the 15th day of the same month, there is the feast of unleavened bread to the Lord. For seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. 
Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread are the Lord's appointed times, not just celebrations within Israel. And as Jesus prepares to meet his own appointed time in Jerusalem, in Matthew, he calls Passover my appointed time. That was his time that he was to go into Jerusalem. This was his hour. Let's face it, he knows everything. This wasn't a surprise. This was the time. And to keep his appointment, he had to go to the right place, which was Jerusalem. This is the city of God's temple and the place that he chose to put his name. And he said his name will be there in Jerusalem forever. That is his. His eyes are always on it. Jesus was in the right place at the right time. Now, many of us have come across circumstances where we're in the wrong place at the wrong time. Thankfully, Jesus is at the right place at the right time. And again, this was all spoken beforehand. He told his followers what was going to happen. So the city is swelled with people coming from everywhere because they had to go to the feasts of the Lord three times a year. Preparations for the feast of Passover and unleavened bread began well in advance of the actual festival especially in Jerusalem, the city needed to prepare for the large numbers of visitors. Again, think of Edinburgh at festival time in August, where it's just almost everyone that's there is not from here. They're somewhere else. Visitors are coming in. At least six weeks prior, they repaired roads. They probably had the guy sweeping and tidying and making the city look nice. They dug wells, and a host of other things would need to be prepared the average amount of lambs that was killed, and it was staggering, was around 270,000. So you could just imagine the amount of preparations that would need to happen for that to happen. They would have to have forethought and preparation. They wouldn't want to have that many lambs come in the city and nothing to do with them. Within the city itself, ovens for roasting the tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of lambs had to be built. Accommodations for visitors need to be sorted. We had gone to Israel in 2015, and we went in the fall at the Feast of Tabernacles, and that's one of the big holidays within Jerusalem. And we had our, our place booked, and about two or three weeks from our, our time to travel, the person called and canceled our reservation. And accommodations were not easy to come by because everything was booked Feast of Tabernacles, it's like the same. Three times as many people would be there. And God ended up opening up a place for us. So accommodations had to be booked well in advance. I'm sure a lot of the wives booked the accommodations because the men probably, like Joseph, didn't book anything in Bethlehem. Remember that? The city was turned upside down and inside out. So this is a lot going on. So keep the, the picture in mind. God had spoken through Moses that the Hebrews were to kill a lamb and put his blood on the doorposts. Only those homes marked by the blood of a lamb would be spared. Had the Egyptians also applied the blood, marking their homes, they too would have been spared. I don't know if you've ever thought about that before. God was bringing all these plagues and then he began to make a distinction between the, the Jews living in Goshen and what was going on in Egypt. And so if they were wise, they'd be like, what are they doing? He's putting blood on the doorposts, if they were wise, maybe they copied them. Even the Israelites would not be spared as God's angel came to, to kill the firstborn if they didn't obey. So it wasn't just a matter of their bloodline or they had to obey what God said and apply the blood. 
The only criteria for salvation is the blood on the doorpost. The Passover lamb was the first sacrifice that God commanded Israel to make. And it became the Lord's Passover as recorded in Exodus chapter 12. Exodus 12 verses 11 through 13. Now you shall eat it in this manner with your loins girded, with sandals on your feet and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will go through the land of Egypt on that night and I will strike down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you live. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So what did God see? That night as he came and he passed over their their homes, the blood that was applied to the doorposts. It's a symbolic nod to Jesus' death on the cross. It's the shed blood that covers and protects us. It is our atonement once and for all time. God sees the blood of the lamb over us and we're spared from death and judgment. Warren Wearsby says this, The firstborn Jews in Egypt weren't saved from death by admiring the lamb, caring for the lamb, or loving the lamb. The lamb had to be slain, and the blood applied to the doorposts of each Jewish house. We aren't saved by Christ the example, or Christ the teacher. We're saved by Christ the substitute, who gave his life in our stead on the cross, At the same hour, the Passover lambs were being slain in the temple in Jerusalem. See, there's many people who don't take that sacrifice. They don't do the next bit. It wasn't like they could just love the lamb and admire the lamb and hold the lamb as the angel passed over. He said the lamb had to be slain. The blood had to be applied to the doorpost. And there are many people who don't want to do what God wants God's way. We're not saved by those things. We're saved because Christ took our place like he did for Barabbas. God instituted a precedent for blood covering the guilt of sin in Leviticus 17.11. It'll be on the screen. He says, for the life of the flesh is in the blood. And I have given it to you on the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood by reason of the life that makes atonement. And as we see with the first Passover, the sacrifice was of a perfect spotless lamb and it preserved the lives of the Israelites. So let's fast forward to that day in Jerusalem. That's the precedent. They are here celebrating Passover. The priest would bring the Passover lamb and begin to check it over for any spot, wrinkle or blemish. And they would examine it. And it was a lengthy process because they couldn't present anything that was not perfect and without wrinkle or blemish. Once satisfied, they would select the Passover lamb. There would normally be great excitement as this event would start the holy celebrations for the week. But this day, however, unlike any other previous year, this day the crowd seemed uninterested in what the priests were doing. Their attention is elsewhere. The priests begin to hear the crowd celebrating and shouting, but they've not yet selected the the lamb. They've not made and selected the Passover lamb. They can't figure out what's happening, but they begin to hear shouts from the people. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna. 
See, the crowds have chosen the Passover lamb, their Passover lamb, on the very day that lambs were to be chosen. The time is perfect that God has. Jesus enters Jerusalem stealing their thunder. See, this was their show. This is their hour of glory, of picking this lamb and starting the celebrations. Because he is the lamb of God, slain before the foundation of the world. No wonder their angst and dismay. They're upset. How in the world is this guy coming in? He, we're, this is our show. This is our spotlight. How is he stealing our thunder? They select the lamb. They start the celebrations, not this Jesus. In fact, they don't even acknowledge that he is who he said he was. So they're outraged. And then they decide they'll find someone who will turn him over to them. They decide that he must die. In fact, they even think it's a good idea that one man die for the people. And it was so strange that the high priest basically is speaking prophetically that one man would die for the people. He died for all people. So the lamb must be checked for blemishes. That's part of the process. Only a perfect, spotless, and unblemished lamb could be accepted at Passover for the, that lamb. In the gospel accounts, and you could read through this, and I would encourage you this week, if you have time, read through the four gospels about this account. It says Jesus goes to the temple. And in, in a couple of them, this is where most people that, that don't know the Bible know he overturned the tables. And he threw out the money changers. But what else happened was he was approached by the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Herodians, and teachers of the law, the scribes. Each group poses difficult questions, trying to trap him in his words to arrest him and charge him. They're looking for any blemish, theological or otherwise, which could disqualify him as Messiah. Matthew records the scope of these tests. And it says he answers each, each question perfectly, and no one can find fault with him because he is without blemish. He is spotless and perfect. And he passes the test of the Passover lamb because all the religious leaders grilled him. They went through the questions. His blood would be poured out on the cross just as the sacrificial lamb's blood was poured out. And friends, God's timing is always perfect. And I know that sometimes in life, even as we get older, we can become disillusioned or disappointed and we don't think that God's timing is perfect. We need to see things from his perspective. And that's where I think we have faith, but I think that's where trust comes in because we have to trust him, that he knows what he's doing and that his timing is perfect. And I know that sometimes in this life, we may never know the answer, but I believe that in eternity, that it'll all be made clear and we'll understand God's perfect plan on how he worked everything out. He works everything out perfect according to his plan and purpose. In the New Testament, Paul says this about Jesus. He realizes that Jesus is that Passover lamb and he puts it like this, 1 Corinthians 5, 7. And he's using these two celebrations together, this Passover feast and unleavened bread. He says, purge or clean out the old leaven that you may be fresh, new dough, still uncontaminated as you are for Christ, our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. And he's connecting Jesus as that Passover lamb and the reason for unleavened bread. This unleavened bread, I'm not going to go into much detail. You can research it yourself. You had to go through your house and get rid of anything with leaven and yeast and things in it. And that's harder than you think. 
if you are one that reads packaging when you go to the grocery store, imagine having to find everything that contains it. And it says that they would even move, think about moving your refrigerator out because you had to sweep. They would have to tidy their house to the 10th power to get rid of any speck of anything that contained leaven. And then they would eat bread without yeast or it wouldn't be risen. Jesus said that leaven is like sin that works through the whole batch of dough. They put leaven in to signify, and God gave this as a normal reminder, because if you had to take that much time to tidy your home, it would be a reminder of what leaven, even a little bit, could look like in your life. Sin, if left unchecked, will destroy our lives. And God does those things like he instituted in the Old Testament about tithing, and it was a principle, so that it was a constant reminder of what was what he was trying to work out in your life. John the Baptist, remember when he saw Jesus walking, he said, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He was a lamb without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. And he lived a perfect life that was free from sin. And if you look at this account, and I remember as a young man, you look at, at the accounts at the cross, and it's, it really is sad if you think about it. Because everyone trusted that this was their Messiah, and then they had to watch him die. And if you've ever just thought about that, as imagine you're following him for three and a half years. You've seen him do all these miracles and all this stuff, and you watch him die. You watch him cry out his last breath, and then you see them poke his side, and that you know that he's dead, and that this is it. But imagine that joy those few days later when he rose and appears to them, risen and alive. And we talked about that at the beginning, about the joy set before him. But friends, I want us to fast forward from that moment because it could seem like such a, a, a dismal hour. You know, imagine the sorrow that they felt for those days till he was alive again. This is what it says in Revelation, and I pray that this encourages you. I'm going to read the whole of the chapter, Revelation chapter 5. Because remember, he's without time. He was slain before the foundation of the world. This was no surprise to him that day in Jerusalem. And this is what it was all about. And he says, And I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a book written inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on the earth and under the earth was able to open the book or look into it. And then I began to weep greatly because no one was found worthy to open the book or look into it. And one of the elders said to me, stop weeping. Behold, the lion that is from the tribe of Judah. Friends, I want you to just get this. The root of David has overcome so as to open the book and the seven seals. And I saw between the throne and the four living creatures and the elders a lamb standing as if it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he came and he took the book out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each one holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Friends, we want to put some things into those bowls. We need to be praying. And they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the book and to break its seals. For you were slain, and you purchased for God with your blood men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. And then I looked, 
And I heard the voice of many angels around the throne and the living creatures and the elders. And the number of them was myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And every created thing which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and all the sea and all things in them, I heard saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever And the four living creatures kept saying, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. Friends, he knew this. And they're there and they're questioning him and Pilate and Herod. And they're questioning him. And it says, and he was quiet like a lamb before the slaughter. He knew what was going to happen. And he's the one that's worthy. And he paid it all and ransomed and redeemed all men for himself. Jesus has done this for you and me. And sometimes I think we forget the scope or we may take for granted at the cost that was paid. It was a dear cost that was paid. What a glorious savior that we have. So may this not just be a week where we're on holiday and we're not giving it any thought and we're not at work or we're not at school. May we realize the scope of what was done and we're celebrating the resurrection because this is an event that has never happened in any other religion. No one else has been raised from the dead by God. Jesus raised people from the dead. We know that people physically have been raised back to life in in miraculous fashions, but they've died again. But Jesus died and rose forevermore. And he prayed in the garden, not my will, but yours be done. The victory was won. All time and all history belongs to him. He is everlasting and eternal. And what I love is it says this was God's plan before he created the world, before he said, let there be light. He already had this in motion. And as I shared with you maybe a few months ago, my brother had said to me one time, I know what Jesus had on his mind when he hung on the cross. And I thought he was making a joke. I thought he was going to give a punchline. And he said he was thinking about me. Think about that as he hung on that cross and as he's having conversation with his father in his last moments and his last breath, we may have flashed before his eyes. And it was all worth it. And he did it for us. Let's pray. Thank you for listening. Please tune in next week for another inspirational message. If you're in the East Lothian area, visit us online at haddingtonelamchurch.com for information about how you can join us for our weekly Sunday services.